Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. The gloom of a gray winter day melds with a specter of three of this year's Steelers foes marching their way to February 3rd, evincing the emptiness of a convicted felon biding his time in solitary confinement until such a time as his sentence is served. It's January 13th, 2019, episode 74. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C., the snowy Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. Hello, everybody. Sitting here, boycott still going strong. You know, there's there's sometimes every year, uh, usually when the Steelers get knocked out of the playoffs, when I tell you and everybody around me that I refuse to watch football and I'm going to boycott it. And especially this year, I was very serious when I said that claim. Now, the difference is in the past years, I, I usually don't even get through a whole week and I'm back on Bleach Report and Twitter and everything and back into my toxic behaviors and I can't help it. You know, even last year you're thinking, well, you know, I mean, Patriots, Patriots, Jaguars is intriguing as much as I hate them both. Uh, This year is different. I have boycotted successfully, but I haven't been keeping a blanket over my head, have been keeping uh, track of these playoffs. And it just looks like the cream is rising right now. The, uh, the high seeds have sort of been taking care of business. LA chargers got exposed shortly before this, uh, podcast. Our friend Derek on Twitter made a good point talking about here comes Philip Rivers, greatest garbage time QB in NFL history, about to make his stats look good after being down 41 to 7 in the fourth quarter. That's exactly what happened. Um, Kansas City, they surprised me, man. They wiped the floor with the Colts. I think it was 31 14 in a snowy KC. And I think that was uh, – I, t- I thought that they had very even teams, honestly. Um, both teams suspect on defense. Seems like the Colts were a little bit more well-rounded on defense, whereas the Kansas City Chiefs had a little bit more star power in the front seven. You know, the thing with the Kansas City Chiefs is usually they're going to put up a bunch of points with Patty Mahomes, and then you got D Ford, Chris Jones, and Justin Houston on the defensive line to break through and make a key sack at some point. Now, I thought that that would get negated by the Great Wall of Indianapolis, that offensive line, but they never really got it rolling. And Patty Mahomes and, and, and the ground game actually took care of them. They took care of business. And um, the Rams edged out the Cowboys. Cowboys got a great defense, one of the best defenses in the league. But at the end of the day, it was yet another instance of the Los Angeles Rams sealing the game while they had the ball on offense, you know, that two, three-minute drill when you want your offense to close out a game, something we saw the Steelers fail at a number of times this year. Well, that's the difference with Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. They call a quarterback bootleg to a Caucasian quarterback. Nonetheless, Jared Goff on third and seven, they get 11 yards, seal the game there. 
And uh, right now, where we sit, I'm going to be happy if this happens, people. The, the, uh, the Eagles are up 14 nothing in New Orleans. All right? I, I'm, I'm feeling very anti-New Orleans right now, despite living there, despite loving Drew Brees growing up. He was a short quarterback. He was an idol of mine. I just think that uh, he gets too many passes, and he gets uh, too much praise lavished upon him, or Ben gets stuck in the dungeons. But anyways, I'm rambling here. That's kind of what's been going on with the playoffs, and what I think has kind of been happening is um, the best teams in the NFL this year, the Chargers, I know the Pats have been down, but they're still the Pats, the Rams, they were flying high and they kind of peaked in the midseason. And as the season went on and you got into the late season, they started losing games or winning, but not by very much. And then they kind of got things back on track right before the playoffs happened. And then I think what happened with them is they've got such great game planning coaches that that buy really helped them get healthy, readjust. And then their coaches are so great with game planning. It's almost impossible to beat Andy Reid or Bill Belichick after a bye that they went out there and took care of business. And you just, uh, it was just another reminder when the Chargers got shellacked that, uh, you know, it's hard to say anything positive about the Steelers team right now, but you would have liked to see the Steelers had a shot at that. The only positive thing I had to say about the Steelers is I've been free for four weekends to do <laughs> something other than sit and watch television and break down film the next day. That's true. We got to look at that as a positive and not as a sadness of the hole in our heart and the hole in our weekends. Uh, So, but we do have things to talk about. And the the most interesting story in the NFL happens to be Antonio Brown. Yeah. Much to our own pain. And uh, we don't have games to watch on the weekend, but the weekend, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, it's usually Sunday morning during the regular season. It's Saturday because they play uh, playoff games on Saturdays, but Um, On Saturday and Sunday mornings, a lot of the main reporters actually release stories. They hold them off during the week and then they release them in that morning because they get a ton of traction in the 24-hour news cycle. They know everyone's going to be ready for games. So I don't know if this is so much releasing a story or or not, but Emmanuel Sanders, uh, former uh, traders – I mean um, just former wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, current Denver Bronco, and future star analyst on television if you've seen him uh, analyze anything. Well, he went on, I think, what was it, NFL Game Day with uh, Michael Irvin and the boys, Eisen, and he went and he talked about the Antonio Brown situation. And if you guys didn't see it, you should check it out. It is literally uh, everywhere on Twitter. Um, sure, like Jerry Dulac and Bouchette posted it, Aditi Kinkabwala, all, all the main Steelers um, beat writers. But, of course, you can search NFL Game Day. But he basically uh, he, he came out and he said a lot. And uh, it sort of can anger you as a Steelers fan from a uh, Benedict Arnold such as himself. But he was really on point. He said, you know, Art Rooney came out and he said that uh, if he says – what he said, which is basically that everything is on the table. He heavily implied that they're going to try and trade a B even going so far as to saying dead money. That's not going to stop us. We're not going to let that stop us. Only condition is we're not releasing him, but indicating that he's going to be traded. Uh, Sanders said when Art Rooney comes out and says that it pretty much means a B is gone. You know, he doesn't say too much Art Rooney, but when he does say something, he means it. And then Sanders went out to talk about a B And he's friends with AB, but he said, hey, Antonio brought this upon himself. He said, you cannot turn your back on your brothers and the Pittsburgh Steelers organization who gave you an opportunity to make you who you are. And traitor as he might be, that was refreshing to hear Sanders point out the obvious, right? He says, for you to leave practice on Wednesday, I think it ended up being Thursday, and have your agent call on Sunday is the ultimate in disrespect. 
there have been a couple players who have come out this week and point to that that incident where AB had his agent call Tomlin. A lot of former players expect, uh, express their displeasure with that, saying that that's just a not manly thing to do. If you're going to quit, quit, I guess is their motto, but at least quit out of your own mouth and out of your agent. So he goes on, Emmanuel Sanders, and he talks about then Tomlin. He brings Tomlin into it. He says, Tomlin letting A.B. on the sideline. He said, I've seen several situations where it could have been handled better when he was in Pittsburgh. And he thinks, why does A.B. think he can do that? He said when he was on the Steelers, Tomlin uh, had this kind of way of working where he says, I'll treat everyone the same way, but I'm not going to treat everyone the same way. If you know what I mean. Like if you're performing on the field, if you're Ben, if you're A.B., you're going to get a lot of leeway. And he's given A.B. way too much leeway. He said that A.B. is 100% wrong. He says that Sanders, he cares too much about his teammates and his coaches. You can't do that to betray the people. So it was nice to see him talk about that. And then after they kind of wrapped all that up, it turned into the rip Ben Roethlisberger show. And, you know, I, I'm telling you guys right away, you know, my bias towards Ben, I, I mean, I'm president of the Ben Roethlisberger fan club. Uh, I, we, we are always open for more, more members. I feel like it is my duty to make sure People realize that this 258-pound Will Ferrell clone, Chad Smith, drummer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who moonlights as a quarterback, gunslinging son of a gun for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is the greatest athlete that we've ever had the pleasure, nay, the privilege, of watching on television for 15-plus years now. And Ben's the man, and he's awesome. So let me just get that out of the way because I don't like to say negative things about him. But you know what? We care more about giving you real information. And I'm not going to deny real information that's in front of my face. And here's the real information. We said this before. Man, Ben, he hurts himself with that, particularly with his, his stupid Tuesday morning interviews and when he calls out players in the media. Now, look, I, I think saying he, that he calls out players, I think that that's a little too strong. You know, saying that, saying that, uh, you know, Washington needs to run through and make that catch against Denver. I wouldn't categorize that as like calling the guy out. But the bottom line is when, when you say this guy had to do something right or, or this guy did something wrong, it doesn't do you any good, right? That's not the maneuver that is getting Washington saying, oh, well, Ben called it out on a news show, so now I'm going to catch it the next time, right? It doesn't do you any good. All it does is turn media and fans against you. And Ben Roethlisberger, as we know, is, is pretty much hated in the media and by fans. And I, I think we got to agree that it's, it's due to because of the, the early career uh, scandals that he had is what I think a lot of it comes down to. And people have made up their mind about him, and they're just not going to like him. And, they find, and, and he, has a, he has a tiny lifeline um, for what people are going to get mad at him for. And, and keep this in mind. I agree. That's stupid that he shouldn't – no, excuse me. Let me let me walk that back a second. I don't agree that people should permanently hate him for um, stuff that may or may not have happened. I don't want to get into all that stuff at the beginning of the career. All I know is that the guy you know, has grown up a lot, um, and I give him a lot of credit for that. But I think the criticism of him criticizing players on his radio show is overblown, but I think it's his own fault because we know that people are going to turn on him. And even if he does ever take blame for himself, it doesn't matter. They're going to latch on to that. So Sanders talked a lot about that, like Ben sticking his own foot in his mouth. And, and this is kind of part of what is leading A.B. to get angry. Sanders said that he talked to the other former uh, Steelers receiver, Mike Wallace, old, bro- old brother from the Young Money crew, Wallace, Sanders, and A.B. 
most underachieving group of talent that we've seen in Pittsburgh. They didn't do anything. Two eight and eight years. Constant drops against the Ravens. <clears throat> Sanders. One time Sanders caught a ball, I think it was from Charlie Batch, going for a 50-yard touchdown against the Ravens, and he kneaded out of his own hands. Yeah, Ravens recovered. That's Emmanuel Sanders, everybody. But he talked to Wallace. He said, if Ben ever said something like that to me on his radio show, I'd go up to him the next day in the locker room and I'd tell him to keep his name, keep my name out of his mouth. All right. Now that I also find funny because as Sanders did an amazing job properly assigning blame to AB, to Tomlin, and to Ben, uh, apparently his rules in life are a bit nebulous. They apply to some people, but not to others. So they're flexible. They're flexible, just like Emmanuel Sanders to stay uh, healthy for such a long time. Granted, I think he's injured right now. But <laughs> I found that hilarious because he also brought up in the same interview that he said, hey, this is why I said right when I got to Denver that Peyton Manning is a better leader than Ben. And like I'd say, I, I, which I also find funny because – Peyton Manning is probably the most famous quarterback for calling out his players and blaming other people and blaming front office and blaming his offensive line after the AFC championship game loss and blaming the refs after another playoff loss to the Patriots countless times, he countless times throwing his teammates under the bus, but he's a Manning, he's royalty. He, he gets steroids delivered to his front door in his wife's name when he's recovering from major neck surgery and everyone's like, eh, nah, he's, he's probably good. It's Peyton. He's got Starbucks commercials. He's good to go, right? What, Allstate, Progressive? He wasn't even with Progressive at the time. But some players are just media proof, which I've been pointing out this whole time. But either way, it's hilarious that Sanders tells Mike Wallace that, like, Ben shouldn't talk about other players in the media. But the first thing he did when he went to Denver was talk about another player in the media, basically unprompted, just a shot at Ben to talk crap at the guy who had made his career so far, right? And he referenced the same interview in this interview. So I found that pretty hypocritical. So in summation here, it's an amazing segment. You should really watch it. Michael Irvin weighs in too. He actually has some good points, surprisingly. And um, I think that criticism towards Ben is totally overblown he does deserve criticism i just think that people are always looking for an excuse to turn this into ben's fault somehow and this is clearly an antonio brown issue where ben and tomlin have contributed to the issue but in minor ways and ben needs to be more careful going forward because he needs to know that he has a short leash and he and he shouldn't be calling people out in the media like that because it doesn't help you know i'm really uh, i'm not torn at all I, I hate the media politically sports wise and otherwise but uh, they get what they want. I mean, it's they, they want these players to say something. They want these coaches to say, say something controversial or something they can and latch on to. And uh, Ben gets criticized for that. And I agree with you. I mean, they're extrapolating what he's saying into something that it isn't. But why say anything at all? I try to apply my workday to professional athletes. Mm-hmm. And I know it's inapplicable. There's, there's no way you can complicate it. But when I think about... How many people question every one of my decisions at work? If I had to see that in the news and then show up the next day, how does that work in the locker room? What it, does it, do they just avoid each other? Do is this like a big play? And they all agree. Here's what I'm going to say tomorrow, and then you should say this, and then I'm going to say that, and we'll keep this story going and build our social media brands. Maybe some people are going that deep in there, but yeah, I, I don't think this is uh, that. This is just. Ben sticking his foot in his mouth. And, and, and I agree with you. The main point is 
what it doesn't help and it definitely hurts and i don't think that you know it's not as big of an offense as people want to make it out to be him talking about these guys he's not even calling them out in a big way although i will say i remember the interview after the denver broncos game when he said ab should have run the route a little flat and that was an example i was like dude come on ben first off this was the pass on the one yard line that got intercepted first off it was getting picked no matter what even if ab ran it more flat second off don't talk about Antonio Brown that way. That's like if AB called you out for the passes that you missed earlier in the season, which were countless. We saw it. He was just straight up inaccurate. He couldn't complete a screen pass to AB. And AB has earned the right where you have the respect where you just don't talk about that in the in the media because, like I said, it's not that big of a deal, but you got to know who you are and you're not Peyton Manning and you are Ben Roethlisberger, just like Odell Beckham Jr. is another player who I point out who gets – crucified for everything he does like when he he got more crap for punching a kicking net than antonio brown is getting right now for abandoning ship on a team where he literally has everything there's nothing more he could want he has the maximum amount of money you can have he had over 100 he had 106 catches on a down year 1200 yards most touchdowns in a season of his career 15 touchdowns play for plays for a very high profile high media coverage team and with a hall of fame quarterback who's still in his prime Literally has nothing to gain by going somewhere else except for his personal brand. So that's why I think a lot of this is about him just wanting to be the only guy in town and no juju or anything like that. And I know we're, we're probably spending a little bit too much uh, time on this. We'll move on here. Um, the only thing we've heard about the report is, listen, everyone's trying to portray this like he's out of Pittsburgh. And it does look like that's the way it's going to go. Um, we should be finding out uh, probably after the Super Bowl when the new year starts to begin in March. I've seen reports from Kinkabwala saying she's talked to people close to him. She gets the impression that he 100% wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Dave Damashek tweeted out the other day that he's talked to people close to AB and he 100% wants out. All I know is that he has not reached out to the Pittsburgh Steelers for contact since the Art Rooney interview, and that uh, that does not bode well. And I think Antonio Brown is stubborn enough where he's gonna he's made up his mind and he's a prideful guy and he's going to want to get out of there, and they're giving him the opportunity to get out of there. Let's talk about changes that are real rather than conjecture. And uh, the, the change that's real is the fact that a son of Pittsburgh returns home. Terrell Austin, the leader of the worst defense in 50 years from the Cincinnati Bengals. And with Terrell Austin staying or coming, does that mean Keith Butler is going? No, it doesn't. It actually means he's retaining his role. And since he's done such an excellent job, Mike Tomlin said, listen, I can always, always have more butt in my life. I need more butt, man. More butler. Let's not just do defense. Let's make him the outside linebackers coach. We're firing Joey. Joey Porter. No, he hasn't developed a single outside linebacker in his time. I'm not giving him credit for what. I'm being selective. But he did win us the divisional playoff game against the hated Cincinnati Dirty Convicts in that glorious game in which Chris Boswell was still good and hit the great game-winning field goal in a driving rain. But either way, Terrell Austin's getting brought in. He's going to be, I think, like, um, what is the uh, official title they're giving him? Like, assistance to the regional manager. It's like assistant defensive coordinator, senior defensive specialist advisor or something. Long story short, he's... Senior defensive assistant 
secondary and secondary for the Pittsburgh Steelers football club. I think he has something to do with concessions, but that that remains to be seen. Well, this is important to have guys do a lot of things, man. Obviously, that's why we're going to expand Keith Butler's uh, duties because maybe he's an ADD kind of guy. He works better when he's working on a lot of things at one time. A multitasker, if you will. Um, I'm making fun of this, but honestly, after I took a day, I I knew Terrell Austin was, of course. uh, He was the coordinator in Detroit. And he was the coordinator for the Bengals, who generally have had a pretty good defense. Um, and honestly, they were they were pretty decimated by injuries last year. They had a lot of guys out. And that team just sort of crumbled in general uh, down the stretch after the Steelers took care of them uh, early in the year. But as I sat on this a little bit more, I do like bringing Terrell Austin in. I, I, I firmly wish that they had gotten rid of Keith Butler. And um, we can get more into Terrell Austin in a second, but but but. Um, I guess real quick, what's turned me on about the guy is that he's a secondary coach and he's had some big uh, successes. Well, in some ways, had some high-profile losses as well and some Super Bowls to the Pittsburgh Steelers when he was coaching defensive backs for the Seattle Seahawks. Then he coached defensive backs for the Arizona Cardinals. And then he coached defensive backs for the Baltimore Ravens during their Super Bowl run uh, in the 2012 Super Bowl. So Love that experience. So much more relieving than having Tom Bradley come in from Penn State last year. Totally unproven kind of guy at the NFL level. So I like him on, uh, you know, on the Steelers staff. He's a Pittsburgh guy. I think he's uh, Allegheny boy. But um, regardless, I, I, I'm really disappointed, and I think the most of Steelers Nation is that we didn't let go of Keith Butler. What, what do you think that's all about? Once again, when I die. My hopefully I go to the right place. My request is to see and be present in the coaches meeting when these things are determined. I think that Mike Tom, there's a there's a rumor out there that Mike Tomlin really had his finger on the scales when it came to defense. And I don't know whether that's true or not. And maybe it's a, a matter of Butler not really getting to exert himself or to apply what he knew. And he was maybe being overruled. Who knows? His his role isn't ending. It's as you pointed out. It's actually expanding, which is interesting. So there is more here than meets the eye, and that we're learning. Yeah, I don't know if I buy the whole thing about you know him getting a, a larger, uh, you know Tomlin taking his hands off the defense for Butler to put his hands on there more. It was said that I think it was this year or late last year, ironically, when the Steelers' defense crumbled into pieces when Tomlin got to put more of his hands on the defense and and Butler's had his chances. And here's the thing, in my opinion, or my hypothesis is that Tomlin and the Steelers organization think that the defense is better than it is because it did improve a lot over the season. And I'll be honest with you. And we were honest with you throughout the process. There were some encouraging improvements. I mean, this year, they were able – you got some big mic noise over there. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but uh, it's shut off now. But Mike they Tomlin were uh, – Can you tell him that I don't know how many times we need to tell him to stop calling while we're spinning, all right? Back to Keith Butler and the defense. The defense did improve. One thing they improved on in specific was that epidemic of long passing touchdowns that uh, afflicted them in that 2017 season. Uh, they, they pretty much cut those out. This year, um, guys like Cody Sensabaugh is not a great player, but he did step in and, and was all right for them. Um, played a great game against the Patriots, this and that. But it, it just comes down to this. 
you know, what, four out of five games the Steelers lose, and in pretty much all of those games, the defense gives up a game-winning fourth-quarter drive, and and it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to when it was happening. And they even almost gave it up, if not for a holding penalty in the red zone against the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots went down the field in the last two minutes on, like, five plays. It was just Swiss cheese when when it comes down to it. Okay, that could be situational, though. They played some pretty good teams. They also let that happen to them again with the Raiders. Um But my problem with Keith Butler is that his defense is just too easy to manipulate. And it's always been easy to manipulate throughout the years, particularly when the Steelers play good quarterbacks or good offensive coordinators. Look what happened to them against the Saints and the Chargers. And you could say, sure, they, they, um, they let uh, relatively low point totals in there and the refs had played a big part in those games. I mean, each one of those games, there was a free touchdown given from a horrific call. Again, I'm not making excuses for the Steelers. I mean, but those were high profile issues. Now the Steelers should have overcome those things. They have plenty of other games to win where you don't have to rely on one call or whatever. But here's the thing is those games. If you remember the Keenan Allen thing, where he got matched up on a linebacker 11 times, that nobody's exaggerating how important that is. And that's not one-time uh, issue. It's, it's indicative of a larger, more consistent issue that he had, which is defense is based off of rules and assignments. And the way you play and call defense is you have to identify the strong side of a formation and the weak side. You know, So if, if there's more players you know, this is baby math here on one side of the center on the right side, then that's kind of the strong side. Uh, and, and then the weak side determines how you run the defense. How do you play, um, against empty formations? There are certain rules that teams use. How do you play against trips formation? When you have three receivers lined up right next to each other, when do you pass off guys to the inside? Do you stay with them on man? Is it a matchup zone? There's all different kinds of ways that teams like to handle themselves. Well, the Steelers and Keith Butler are very easy to figure out. That's why Philip Rivers even said as much in the post-game conference, we knew the spots to get Keenan Allen in so that he would get matched up on a Steelers linebacker based on the way they've played the rest of the year. It was too easy. Then when they play the Saints, you look at all the blitzes they did with the cornerbacks that first half. Drew Brees was calling that stuff out way ahead of time. The other teams, if they're good, they know what the Steelers are doing. Even the Jaguars in that horrible divisional playoff game, they were throwing the same damn plays they have four plays that year. It was run up the middle left, run up the middle right, play action flat right, play action flat left. And they were getting the Steelers just totally vacated out of zone. So that's my big issue is with him is that his defense is too easy to manipulate. Um, they do some weird personnel decisions, nickel on the goal line or whatever that was. And then on top of that, you've had so many years to develop defensive talent and, and that has not gone according to plan. Some guys have developed TJ Watt. Hargrave has been up and down, some guys like that. But other, otherwise, it just there hasn't been enough of an improvement. I wish they had taken a bigger step towards getting a guy, but it is nice to see Terrell Austin in there because I think he can help. Yeah, so if you look back at Terrell Austin's history, he may, he may have been uh, victim of the – maybe not victim isn't the right term, but he, the Peter Pinsable – came into effect when he was made a defensive coordinator. It might have been a little too early for his time. He was first defensive coordinator in 2014 for the Lions. And uh, in his first season, they were ranked number two overall and number three, number three overall in points allowed. But from there, there was a steady decline in the, in the Detroit defense. He moved on to the, to the Bengals. Um, 
he was fired after nine games. So it's hard to know whether this was attributable to him, but he, um, they, as you pointed out, they fell the last on almost every defensive category. And you may pinpoint this to coincidentally a game against the Steelers in week six, when, uh, he started falling apart because after the, all he had to do was stop the Steelers at the end of a game to win. Instead, the Steelers marked 77 yards in a minute on seven plays hmm. uh, for a, for a last minute, 31 yard touchdown by Ben. That was the fire and, zone, right? Or that was the, uh, where he blitzed everybody, right? Exactly. Exactly. So over the next three games, the Bengals became the first team in the Super Bowl era to give up 500 yards in the next, in three games on um, most yards in NFL Woo! history. So, as I said, you know, Austin wasn't a bad guy. He was a good guy. He was actually well-liked, but this was just a bad match. It's hard to know. Did the guy, um, it was nine games. Was he that bad? He did have a little bit of experience as defensive coordinator in Detroit, but he may have risen a little too fast. Curiously, he had a lot of interviews for head coaching jobs Yeah, he's before well he took the job with the Bengals. And, and and we do have to mention, man, that they had some major injuries, and I can't name all of them. But Kirkpatrick, perfect, was in and out. Atkins was in and out, and and big time names. And it did just seem like that team sort of just fell apart this year. And you know that happened. So would have been absolutely uh, suicidal if they had tried to hire him as a defensive coordinator. But bringing him in to help, it makes sense to me. I just wish that they had made a change at the defensive coordinator position and tried to upgrade it as a whole from Butler. So not a very inspiring start to the offseason after it's been nothing but crap. And I got to mention that Mike Munchak, thank God uh, for us, not for him, did not get the, the head coaching position for the Denver Broncos. Vic Fangio, the great defensive coordinator who came out of a lot of teams, but most recently from that excellent Bears team, uh, he got the head coaching job. So we thought that uh, the Steelers dodged a huge bullet there and get to keep their best coach, Mike Munchak. But it turns out the Denver Broncos are still trying to recruit him to come over there. I'm not sure to work in what capacity as a you know offensive line coach. Seems like sort of a, uh, a lateral move. But they really loved him throughout the interview process. I know he's got family out there. I believe his daughter's out there. That's a big part of his coaching decisions. That's why he didn't continue with Arizona last year. Um, but the reports out there are saying the Steelers are going to do absolutely everything that they can to keep Munch and they freaking better because otherwise this is the worst offseason I can remember. And the Steelers outpost is running a campaign and we'd like you to join us. And at the end of the podcast, we'll tell you all the places to contact us. The campaign is that the Steelers hire everybody in Mike Munchan's family, the, the daughters, the sons-in-laws, the children, the grandchildren, everybody hire them. The bastards. Working for the Steelers in whatever capacity. Concessions is always a good place to start marketing. We want to keep Mike Munchak at all costs. And the Steelers Outpost in our second campaign is looking for another hire, a, an opening that, that has been there for, for quite a number of years. We haven't heard about this hire, but it needs to happen. And that hire needs to be a clock manager ladies and gentlemen it has gone too long clock manager clock manager yeah that's a hire that we would like to see the Steelers make but they probably won't because I remember we have a reference written down here there was a couple times when when Mike Tomlin's been asked about this because it's so weird there are certain coaches Andy Reid Mike Tomlin are kind of the most famous two who no matter how successful they are no matter how great they are no matter how many years they've been coaching, they just never get it. 
I mean, the guy went over is over ten or over eleven on his last couple on his last challenges, and he just can't handle end of the game situations. Not every single one. There were some where people disagreed with, but uh, he just can't get it done. And I think they need to hire someone in the box to get this get this done for them because it's yeah, been. So an I issue. think we're talking. We are talking about clock management and challenges, two different things. And I think the sure. Steelers could probably cough up the, what, $12 an hour for the thousands of guys who want a job with the Steelers to do that kind of thing. Well, and then, what the, so I went, <laughs> we could get $15 an hour. I went back and looked for the quote. And the only thing I could find with about uh, Mike's commentary on clock management dates back to October 2015. We were playing the Chargers and there was two minutes, 56 seconds on the clock. But surprisingly, the clock moved to two thousand two minutes and 38 seconds. And this is when Mike Vick was running the offense. And uh, nobody noticed that. Fortunately, Steelers were able to score a game-winning touchdown as, as time expired. Mike Tomlin was asked about this on his weekly pe- press conference, if he had somebody responsible for keeping up with six, such things. And he said, you know, we got a lot of things going on in terms of managing responsibilities. We proceed with the assumption that the clock is going to be managed properly. I'm not going to comment too much on that. I know that the league is going to have a statement regarding that. It didn't define the outcome of the game, so I'm moving on with my work this week. Tomlin said he had no plans to appoint somebody to watch the clock going forward. He said, I'm not going to check to make sure concessions need help in concessions. Yeah, so that's terrifying. <laughs> that he thinks- <laughs> Don't need him. Lost, lost 18 seconds in your own state. Hey, that's so his analogy. Our contention is all we want, we just want him to get a, even a, he doesn't need a Stanford MBA. He just needs a guy who's paying attention to this stuff beside him. Well, I, I was going to also point out that was very generous of you towards Michael Vick saying that he was in there running the offense and not saying that he was in there wandering aimlessly with early signs of Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> an inability to throw the forward pass against the chargers. But uh, that quote by Tomlin is so terrifying. He, what he's asserting is that I'm not going to check to make sure concess concessions need help uh, in the stands, basically implying, you know, like, we, yes, they're at the football game, but we don't, that doesn't affect us whatsoever. Concessions don't affect us whatsoever. Just like clock management doesn't affect us whatsoever. Well, why why, would you even worry about those things? Why, when you throw the game-winning pass against the Patriots to Jesse James and it gets overturned, why would you throw a route inbounds to Darius Hayward Bay and have a play ready to be called the next play? No, you should just go up there and run a crappy fake spike that you ran last year that everybody knows is going to happen and throw it in a quadruple coverage for an interception. Why? Man, the the point I was making originally about him and Andy Reid is that it's funny. There's some great coaches who just they do not get this part of the game. And sometimes they'll get it right, but every year it's going to it's going to probably lose them a game or something here. And uh it, I wish that they would hire someone specifically. I forgot why I wanted to put this in the uh into the outline it was it was just more thinking of who else could they hire? We don't know. It doesn't look like they're going to hire an outside linebacker's coach. Don't know what they're doing with the running back coach yet. Um, obviously, the Saxon firing was pretty pretty shocking. That's a little bit old now as far as the news cycle goes, and we tweeted about that. Uh, very surprising for a guy uh, who, who coached a team that could cycle seemingly any running back in there and have success. Obviously, Lev, Connor, Samuels, D'Angelo Williams. Even the fumbler had a little bit of success uh, when he had to go in there before. But um, 
I digress. Wish we had the clock management. We're not going to see that, though, because it probably won't happen. Yeah, it seems like, and I, I, this isn't meant to be cliche or uh, to be a pun, but it's blocking and tackling. This seems to be fundamental. You should have, This should be something nobody ever questions. There are some universal rules that apply to most NFL teams when it comes down to the two-minute two minute drill. Things like no audibles by the QB because they take an average of three to six seconds to execute. And receivers are lined up in the side where, where the um, – where the play, where the road is we're supposed to go, so they're not taking extra time. They're just some right. immutables. You can picture, you can picture the decision tree. You run your finger down that left hand column to where it says zero point zero colon two two. Uh, right. <laughs> and the next column says how many timeouts you have, and the next column tells you how many yards until the first down, and then the final column tells you what to do. Exactly, but that's not Mike Tomlin. Sometimes, some years, he decides uh, we're going to go for two completely randomly after some touchdowns and, and that's going to be part of our identity and they're going to come to training camp the next year and they're going to ask if he's going to go for two he said go, go for two what are you what are you talking about why would you do that anyways uh, sometimes lives a little bit too much in the heart and uh, i do want to just say one one last thing about tomlin is this whole thing with ab by the way guys give me some credit all right i haven't cried on air yet this is tearing me into pieces and this this AB thing to lose one of the best players in the history of your franchise and don't don't get it twisted people AB is one of the top what three players that the Steelers have ever had in terms of dominance you can you know obviously Ben's a big part of that success but either way three five ten whatever you want to say this guy is the man and they're losing him during the prime of his career and maybe they can't do anything about it because it does seem like he's just a rogue and and what are you supposed to do he's forcing your hand he's not even talking to you but this hurts man losing it it makes football less fun to watch and it does Man, it's going to have a huge effect on them next year if 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 he doesn't uh, if he's not going to be able to be there because you don't even get the benefit of of, of the free money till till uh, a year after. But uh, regardless, we'll get more into those hypotheticals once that situation develops a little bit more. But bearing all in mind with this AB situation, and also I just love AB. Come on, man, you got to see seven to eighty four. That's one of the best parts about Sunday, even if you lose in the last minute to the crappiest team in the nfl at least you got to see some cool plays from ab but back on track tomlin you almost got to give him more credit for dealing with these personalities my goodness i said earlier on twitter that listen tomlin deserves blame for this season he's not the only person to deserve blame and i don't think you i don't even know how much you can say he's he's he deserves the most blame or anything like that. I don't know how you would really assign that. I think it's just easy for us to try and find a – I wouldn't say a scapegoat because he does deserve some blame, but it's it's easy for us to try and pin a lot of that on the head coach. But fact is he put them in position to win some games. If Ben doesn't throw an interception on the one-yard line against the Broncos, you have a way different season. And it's not like I'm saying if Ben didn't drive the ball – if he could have driven the ball down the field 99 yards with 40 seconds left, then no. I'm saying that should have been a routine play. I'm saying Chris Boswell missed some routine field goals and three-point losses for the Steelers. And just a game to here or there, you have a way different record to win the year. And he put them in position to win those. So I think people are freaking out a little bit too much about him. And with this A-B thing, you almost got to – you can blame him for letting it get to this point. But how much control do you really have over an adult who's as uh, you know stubborn as A-B? I don't know. But 
I don't love him not upgrading over Butler, but we will keep track of what happens the rest of this offseason, even if we don't get our wish of a clock managing specialist. No, but I'll throw my uh, hat in the ring. I think that AB stays. I Dude. stated my reasons last time just to make it interesting. Um, Why? Nothing to bet. You, you just to make it interesting, or do you really think that he's going to stay? I really think he's going to stay. I think that he is, they can manage the, the emotion. If you're a teammate, do you care? Do you care what he says and what his person, it's irritating, no. but who do you want on your team? Yeah, exactly. You'd get the number one receiver. So what if he's hard to manage outside the game during the game? He does what he's told. He does what he runs the, he runs the route he's supposed to run. Yeah. Who? And he'll try just as hard when he's happy as, as, as when he is unhappy because he's on the stage and his whole his whole shtick is his ability to perform. So I actually think there's a good chance he'll stay, which means nothing to anybody. But I do think that. Well, I think on paper it makes 100 percent sense for him to stay because of all the things I said before. He literally can't upgrade his situation unless it's to try. I mean, it's going to be there are a couple other teams where he could get back to his 120 catch seasons. Of course, people he is. He is very reliant on Ben, of course, but there are other quarterbacks as good as Ben, and there are coordinators like Kyle Shanahan out there, Sean McVay, who can get a receiver the ball like that, although that's not going to be their goal, by the way, if he thinks that's the case, to get him 120. Not his choice. Not his choice. Exactly. It's a Steelers' choice. That's why I'm saying – they're going to trade him to the Cardinals. <laughs> For Pat Peterson, you're not going to catch a pass all year because Rosen's not going to have time to throw the ball. But right. uh, that's I like what you, the point you bring about the, the players and your teammates accepting you. Are they going to be annoyed? They're mad right now, and they're going to be mad when he comes back in the locker room, but they're going to get over it. I, I think that the – I don't know if the media truly believes this or the former players. You know, They obviously know they've been there, how much they believe this, or, or if people put too much stock into this narrative. But – I know that sounds annoying, you know, having that in the building all the time, and I'm sure it is. But at the end of the day, it, everyone's working towards a common goal because they all want to keep a job and they all want to make money, and their team winning helps them do that. And I do think they make real relationships and they end up playing for each other if they get close and they win games. I think anyone's going to get close in that situation. But people are trying to keep their job. You have to remember that. They're not like our like fans here where they're like, well, I don't like that guy, so oh, I'm going to throw short to him. What? Well, then that brings your complete completion percentage down, right? And I also think people make too much uh, with this woo-woo concept of like the teams that play like a team are the teams that win. Uh, Okay, no. The teams with good players and good coaching win. And then by virtue of having good players and good coaching, they end up playing like a team. And you're going to be closer with each other when you're winning because winning is a lot more fun. And you're going to be less close to each other when you're losing because it sucks and also because everyone's stressed because they're going to lose their jobs. This isn't like a middle school. This isn't possums, right? This isn't – and even remember the Titans. Guess what? Those dudes were beast. Sunshine could throw the ball a quarter mile over the mountains. Easy. No problem. The Rev, the backup quarterback, comes in and he can block for people. They had good players. And they got along. They didn't get along at first. And then they got along because they won. So everyone who's like, you can't possibly uh, set this example, this or that. Well, it's already gone too far. The Steelers are a dumpster fire. Like we said before, embrace the drama. It only gives them strength. It makes the most sense for AB and the Steelers to be together. I wish it would happen. Don't know if it's going to happen. Sounds like not, but we'll see. All right, people, embrace the drama. And while you're embracing the drama, check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. 
send us check us out on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note in our website, SteelersOutpost.com. This is so redundant. You know what it's gonna be. Instagram. Yeah. SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.